Hello, everyone. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Carly Perry. We talk about her decision to pursue a master's and a big old PhD in England, but she also shares about playing soccer in another country. And yes, she's converted to the European ways of calling it football, but I appreciate that. And then we go into how all these experiences in our lives, even the ones that seem the most difficult and challenging, are all still building blocks to help us become the person that we want to be. And it's happening without us even realizing it. So lots of interesting stuff and really great perspectives from the amazing Carly Perry, who has really gone through so much. So here is the rest of our conversation. So you graduate from American and then what's your decision to pursue your master's? Like what inspires you to do that? So I saw a sports psychologist after my first ACL back in the day. And after that, I was like, oh, that is what I want to do. So I basically Googled, I remember I Googled my senior year at American, best sports psychology master's program in the world. Like, why did I do that? I don't know. I just wanted a list. And this school that I never heard of showed up. And I remember I always wanted to go to Denver because they had a, they have like quite a good applied sports psych program here. And then I was like, well, if I don't get into Denver, well, fuck, like I need a school. So I applied to Lough- this school, Loughborough University, and it's literally Loughborough University, number one sports university in the world. That's like what it says. So I'm like, okay, right. I got into Loughborough like the day after I applied. And wow. I was like, well, sh- this is this like a fake university? Like what is going on? Um. And I remember I visited, I went to visit Denver. So I have Denver and Loughborough lined up. Like I got into Denver. I was so excited about that. And then I went and visited and I was like, this is expensive. Mm-hmm. Living is expensive. Yeah. Why have I visited Denver so many times and never really loved it? So then I put all my eggs in the basket for Loughborough because I'm like, Denver is so expensive. I hope Loughborough is cool. Yeah. I get there and I'm like, God, it's not nice here. Like it was raining. And it was Easter break, so there was, like, no one around, and Loughborough's, like, a really small town. So I was like, oh, God, I'm going to Denver. And I, like, put my money down to Denver, and I remember I started crying. And I was like, why are you so dramatic? Like, you have two options. Like, you privileged loser. (laughs) And then I was like, I don't want to go to Denver. Like, I want to go to England. I probably had, like, the most fun playing soccer during my master's. Like, holy shit I just got to play soccer like with people that just like to play it was so fun what were this is a loaded question but like what were some of the differences from playing in the U.S. compared to England I guess it like the culture is just completely different like the the girls that attracts to the sport there it's like really really a different culture um they don't wear headbands when they play no (laughs) pre-wrap no (laughs) pre-wrap no pre-wrap I remember, oh my God, I had on like this Lululemon headband, right? And one of the girls was like, oh my God, your headband's so cool. Like, where'd you get it? And I was like, oh, it's Lululemon. And they were just dying. Like, they were like being so rude. So I actually just texted that girl the other day. And I was like, I found one of my headbands. And she's like, burn it. So (laughs) I created it. Found it quite fun in like a really big community. I mean, football is the main sport there. So it's just exciting to play. So finally, you got that positive soccer experience again? Yeah, and then tore my ACL in the middle of that season. But I was like, okay. I just, like, finished this on such a high note. Yeah. 
And to be honest, I would have failed my master's, I think, if I didn't tear my ACL. Because, like, if it was between doing an assignment or, like, going to a game, go play in a game, I would go play in the game. Because at that time, I was playing for – I was on a futsal team, the university team, and a Premier League team. Damn, doing the most. Yeah, doing the most so much that my body couldn't keep up. Yeah, there's no surprise you tore it again. I don't know what I was doing. So your third ACL tear was when you were getting your master's. So – basically your fifth year of college and you're trying to go out on a high note and then you're cursed with the ACL yet again. And so when that happened where you're like, okay, this has to be it. I got to be done. Yeah. My brother was actually visiting me in Scotland or we were in Scotland. That's where the game was. And he had taken the bus with the team, which is so fun. Like, can you imagine letting your siblings take like our college bus? Like that just wouldn't happen. So when I toured in Scotland, we had this whole trip plan. Like me and him were going to go to Paris and I couldn't even walk to the train station. Like he had to give me a piggyback ride after the game. And I was like, holy shit, this is not fun. Like I am out. And then you just kind of think about like the bigger picture. And I'm like, I'm, I'm literally playing in England for fun. I didn't go to England to play soccer. I mean, it just ended up being something that I got to do. I was there to do a master's at the school because it was like the dream for what I wanted to do. And I just didn't have the time. That was more what it was. It was the, it's the therapy that I have to do before like the prehab stuff. It's just too much time. Mm-hmm. For, like what gain, like to play in a, play a sport that I might just step over a cone. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt. How long did it take for you to get your master's? A year, like a full, it was a 12 month program. You finish that up and you're just like, I want more. <laughs> I want to do more. Uh, yeah. It's been a really weird transition into the PhD because of COVID stuff. But yeah, so that's what I wanted to do after the master's. Only because of the topic, because somebody sent me an advertisement and it was like PhD, women's professional football and mental health. And I was like, well. I couldn't have made a better title. Like that's exactly, I don't think I would have done a PhD just to do a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the topic is quite appealing to me. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. what's the name of the school you're at now? University of Central Lancashire. Lancashire. <laughs> Lancashire. <laughs> wow. That's, that is really cool. And that's, I didn't realize how specific of a topic that is. Yeah. So it's just for the women's super league too. So those will be like my participants. Yeah, so I'm like eight months into that, just writing a paper on the mental health of elite, well, female elite athletes right now. How long is the program in total? Three years. Gotcha. I think we'll be a little bit longer with COVID stuff. So what parts of this program really excite you to dig deeper in? Because I know the overarching theme is mental health and athletes, but like it's three years long of you just learning constantly. So what are some of the topics that like you really like to dig deep into? To be honest, like my favorite topic that I looked at was in my master's. It was when I did ACL injury and eating disorders. And I found that really interesting and sad, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that that paper gets published. I need to talk to my supervisor because I don't think people realize the consequences of an ACL surgery beyond just, you only hear like the good story, like Rapino came back from three ACLs, but I'm like, well, literally what is it like 70% of girls if they play over a certain amount of years to their ACL in America. Also side note, I have a weird theory. They do not tear their ACL as much in England. And I think it's because they don't do, I don't know what it is, but I need to figure it out someday because they were shocked when I tore my ACL. Like they had never, I mean, obviously they know people that have, but on the club team I played or the premier league team, only one other girl had, 
Can you imagine that? Like our college team, what? It was, it was seven. It was like seven in my senior year. It was like you could field another team with the rate we were going at with ACL tears. Yeah, so I don't know. I have a theory about that, but I just think like severe injury and mental health is really interesting because there's a physical element of actually like being taken out of sport along with like a mental aspect as well. It's not just like deselection in the sense that I know that's hard, like being deselected from a team, but you're also literally unable to do what you're able to do or want to do. So, but with the PhD program, basically it's kind of boring. It sounds way cooler than it is, but the whole first year is like research into what's been done. Mm -hmm. And so really what's been done is not a whole lot on women's soccer players or basketball or lacrosse or any sport with a ball, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all on like gymnasts and eating disorders, important, but like not quite holistically representative, I guess, of all of us. I mean, much more people play there's a lot more girls playing ball sports. Like that sounds funny, but like soccer, basketball and stuff. So like, that's been interesting. There's really not a lot of research on it. What's been the most surprising thing to you? Is it researching something and realizing, holy shit, I went through that. Or is there something else that's really been surprising to you that you've learned? Hmm. Oh, you know, what's really surprising is how surprising people think this stuff is. I think like sometimes I have to like take myself back and be like, would I have known that if I didn't go through that? Because I remember bringing my supervisor some of this, the interviews and he was like, oh my God, like these are really intense stories um, about ACL and eating disorders and such. And I was like, well, yeah, like, but I just, I think it's been really surprising, not just with that, but like when I tell people what I'm doing in the research community when you they like ask you what you're doing for your PhD they're like wow is that a is that a thing and I'm like well do you have physical health like mental health is clearly a thing yeah I think it's more surprising to find out what how many people are like unaware still that mental health is just a component of life so when people respond like that and they're so surprised like what is your response to them how do you kind of explain it I usually am just like yeah it's I mean, it's in the general population. So athletes are just another part of the general population with different stressors. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think people would be surprised if they're like, we're looking at mental health in women. You know what I mean? So like to say women, elite women athlete or female athletes, like it's just a chunk of the population. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's still the old narrative that athletes are strong and all of that. And I like, I really forget that even exists. I just read a paper today on mental toughness and they were using mental toughness and mental illness like interchangeably. And I'm like, Oh wow. Mental toughness. That doesn't mean you're that like, that does not mean you're immune to getting mental illness because I would say if like every elite athlete is resilient and mentally tough to get to where they are, Mm. but that doesn't mean that you don't, have a chance of like having a mental health issue a mental health issue you know oh I sound dorky no this is so interesting to me because I mean to be honest after talking to Dylan and then seeing the work you're doing like I see how I've been affected by this too where like I I won't eat a certain amount if I know I hadn't worked out that day or knowing that I had a two a day I can eat twice as much like 
that is something that I know I struggled through and still struggle today. Like, I've always made a joke of like, oh, my career's over. I got to learn how to eat like a human being now and not a freaking animal. I almost called you to interview you because originally I was just doing severe injuries. And then because all the severe injuries happened to be ACL, I just decided to do ACL. Yeah. But like, I do think that there's a whole spew of research that needs to just be done because a lot of the girls I interviewed were your age and older and they all had residual effects still from their injury on eating. Like, I don't know. It was just really sad. There was no one that didn't have an issue still with it in some capacity. Because you're just taught, oh, you'll work it off. Like, you can eat this ice cream, you'll work it off. And so that's how my brain was wired is like, oh, you're right. Like, I have soccer practice later. Like, I can eat all of this when maybe I wasn't even hungry. But, like, I knew I was going to work out later. So I get to reward myself for that. But you don't lose that even when you go grow into adulthood. Like, that stays with you. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think Dylan put in her article, like, fuel to perform, which was what I me and her talked a lot about and was a big like thing out of my project was we only like learn when we're younger to fuel for soccer practice. Like, Oh, I got to eat some noodles because I have soccer, but like you mm-hmm. actually just need to eat noodles cause it's dinner time and your body is needs some food. And like, <laughs> you do have soccer practice. So maybe have like a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like a fundamental issue or like, it's like a big issue. I mean, that starts at a young age. Uh-huh. So I don't know what the answer is with it, but a lot of people maintain it. So do I like, oh, I I need to eat this because I'm going to go work out like or I worked out today so I can eat this now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I remember the conversation a lot of times when you're nearing your senior year and you're like, oh, I can't wait to be NARP skinny, like a non-athletic regular person skinny because you're going to you're like excited to lose muscle because we were just bulking up so much. We felt like we had these like terrible body image issues because we were just so muscular. But that was also so fit, like we were in the best shape of our lives, but that was affecting us mentally. (laughs) I just it's so bizarre like the fact that we were in a place where we felt like our body didn't fit into like society or something that's like such another huge issue but i i find that just really interesting and it's one of those things that you recognize years later you're like oh i thought i was just like really oh cautious of what i was eating i was just being super healthy it's like no i was over analyzing everything i was putting in my body I think teammates are so bad and so good for that. Like if you have a teammate who's like body positive and awesome, it can totally cultivate a good place. But like we did not have that. Yeah. And it was just like a constant conversation and we'd make jokes about it. Like, oh, spring season, better throw out those jeans because you're not (laughs) fitting in them. Like leggings when we go out. (laughs) But you look back on it and you're like, these conversations were probably really damaging. So you have, what, two years left? What do you yeah. want to do with this big old PhD? Oh, that's a good question. I have no idea. Like, I I guess I would love to become a sports psychologist, which is, like, another sort of training program that I have to go on. And I would love to be, like, hired on by a club in England and stay there. But it's obviously hard to stay there on, like, a work visa and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not, like, super in love with research right now. Like, I don't. Like I said, I wouldn't have picked research, like a PhD, unless it was this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't want to just be a researcher. Like I don't, I'm, I don't have a brain like that. I want to be with people, mm-hmm. but I guess that's part of it. Figuring it out along the way. Yes. I, I love know. that you said that because that's the point of this whole podcast is it's okay if we don't have it all figured out because we yeah. are raised to just have a plan and know exactly what we want to do. But I want to like make everyone aware that it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. And it's awesome that you're pursuing something and interested in something, but it's okay if you don't have like this 10 year plan. No plan I ever made worked out. Like, I literally never planned any of the things that happened, and I feel quite happy with where I ended up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a game. You go into a game, and you're like, well, I plan to win. But, mm-hmm. like, okay, there's a lot of things that go into that and a lot of things that change. And I guess it's your decision at the end if it was, like, a win or not, which is different from a game. So you say that anything you ever planned didn't really work out, so that probably was frustrating at the beginning when your plans never work out, but how do you feel about it now? Do you feel it's more, like you said, a game, it's a risk, you're excited to plan something because who knows what's going to come out of it? I think sometimes you're like, like sometimes I stretch myself a little thin with being like, I don't have a plan, but let's go for my dream. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have certain foundations in your life, like what you're going to be fine. You're going to fall back on it and be just fine. Like doing a PhD is a little bit out of my um, intelligence realm. On top of I had to move to a new city. On top of I didn't know anyone at the university. On top of my supervisors left. And so I kind of came home during COVID. This is just an example. And I was like, whoa. And you kind of just need to lean in on like the things that ground you during times of not knowing. Mm -hmm. But the times of not knowing are when you actually find out so much more. Like just being home, I'm like okay, let me regroup. Why did, why am I doing this in the first place? And like, where can I go with this? Not where can't I go? Like what's not working. And then I, if I think back about why I'm doing what I've done, every question you've asked me has come from a time when I thought I had nothing happening. Like I thought life was kind of shitty. Like I became, I wanted to do a sport, sports psych PhD because I saw a sports psych during like a horrible time in my life. And I want to do mental health because of a horrible time in my life. I mean, that's so true. Like everything that we've talked about and that you've experienced have just been building blocks to where now when you like turn around all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're like, oh my God, I've been like paving this path for myself all along that I didn't even realize I was on. Yeah, I think sports are cool in that way in the sense that you persevere and it's not always fun, but like you persevere. But I just think on top of that, like the one thing that needs to change in like sporting culture and like retirement and transitions is just being able to talk about it like it was quite refreshing to hear you at the beginning of this call just be like yeah it's not been easy going back to how we're just a continuing work in progress and you're never fully done with your journey but what really brought you to a place of peace with your your body image and your relationship with food honestly like we said it doesn't really go away like i make way too many comments that i'm aware of where i'm like watch why am I saying that? Who cares? And part of that's on me. Part of it's on the society, but part of it is just, it gets better with time. But, um, I actually think this is really weird, but I stayed with a family during COVID and I was like forced to eat dinner with them every single night. And I was so grateful to be with a family and like during a time where I could have been stuck in my own in England. So obviously I happily ate their dinner every single night. And I think that that really changed to something where food became something I was like, excited about more so and like it became so I guess it just wasn't about body image in the sense it was more controlling 
stuff. Like I liked to know how many calories I was eating and that kind of stuff. And like, there's just bigger things. Like I was much more excited to be sitting with a family and having fun than worrying about the calories and the chili that I was eating. So I think sometimes I don't think there's like a moment when it goes away. Like, and I would never tell anybody that it will go away. Mm-hmm. Just like if you have an injury, it doesn't, you always have a scar or you always have a little niggle there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's, you stop attending to it as much. Yeah. So I don't know, I guess body image wise, I also think that like doing what I'm doing, I'm like, well, I need to be in a good place. I don't really respect, I, I respect people's journeys with it, but I don't respect it when people are in a place um, of like really struggling and trying to force help other people. Like that's like, yeah, no, I get it. Like we all do that, but I just think it's really hard for me to want to do what I'm going to do if I don't feel like I'm there myself. Yeah. So not to get too deep, but after you've learned everything you've learned and experienced everything you've experienced, what would be your advice to, let's say your, your 18 year old self? God. Um, what would be yours i want to hear your advice i (laughs) don't lie to your parents they're actually cooler than you think they are (laughs) i i don't know just like hang on like i just like that sounds really dumb but like it will be fine and just like shit like miss the workout like just who cares sometimes um yeah i feel like it's just like if you I don't know. That's such a hard question. I honestly feel like it's just like, hang on, like it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I always say that to people like you're doing fine and it sounds dumb, but like genuinely capital F I N E you are doing fine. Like everything is fine. There's no one actually caring about how you're doing. You just need to be okay yourself. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is no one actually cares that much about you. Like you have to stop thinking that everyone cares so much about what you look and what you're doing, what you're saying, because everyone's worrying about themselves just as much as you're worrying about yourself. So I think it's taken me a long time to come to that realization. When I spend 45 minutes typing up an Instagram caption, I was like, well, what are they going to think if I say this? Like literally everyone's scrolling. Like no one gives a shit what your caption is. (laughs) So I think that's great advice is just realizing like, come to terms with yourself because you're the one who's looking out for yourself at the end of the day you are stuck with yourself like my mom once said you're your biggest project and I was like that is stupid but like she's kind of right like you're your own project you're your own like project at the science fair and no one gives a shit no one's looking at your poster it's literally just your own like your own judge move on Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a good way to end. You believe that, hey? That's deep. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to my conversation with Carly. I think she made some really interesting points, especially for athletes who have suffered major injuries or who are just struggling with the transition into quote, normal people life. It's tough when you're so focused on one thing for so long and especially with an injury, it's ripped away from you so quickly and you gotta figure out who you are in this world without your sport. So I really appreciate Carly's perspective. 
just focusing on the important things in life and giving yourself some grace if you don't want to do the workout or if you have what you think is a cheat meal or something like that as an athlete it's hard to transition out of that mindset of being very strict in your workouts and diets but I think it's important especially in times like these to not put so much pressure on ourselves and like she said we are doing capital f-i-n-e fine <laughs> even though it might not seem like it in the world today try to find some positivity try to find something you're grateful for today and I think that can really help us get through these tough times so thank you so much Carly and thank you so much to all of you for tuning in see you next time